Hey guys, you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. This is John Kerman, and you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. Hi, this is PJ Butler, and you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. This is Kyle, and you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. Hey, this is Jim. We're leaving a Legacy. Got a mouthful of meat. Um, oh, wait. That's not what I meant. Don't put that on there. Now we take you to the Red Room, where round one parents have been posted. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. I am your legacy newbie, Patrick. And with me today, I have two uh, accomplished legacy players. One more so than the other, but still. Both of them are kind of a big deal. First, Don't be firstly, so mean to our guest pal. <laughs> firstly, I have Mr. Jerry Me. What's going on, buddy? Oh, not much. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing really well. Um, living in this uh, hellscape uh, post-election. So we also have... <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> <laughs> we also we also have um, a recent top eight and actually uh, champion of the Star City Games Legacy Open in Baltimore, John Orr. What's going on, man? It's going great. Glad to be on the show. <laughs> yeah, awesome to have you, man. So you piloted Shardless Bug to uh, a first place finish at the Legacy Open, right? Indeed, yeah. <laughs> so first of all, congrats on that. That's a major accomplishment. I was actually, we had Tom Smiley on. Uh, of the famous uh, Thomas Smiley, Thomas Frowny meme, and uh, <laughs> and uh, last week, and uh, we got to talk about that and how I feel like the Star City Circuit, uh, the Legacy Opens are probably you know along lumped in with the GPs like the biggest um, accomplishment I think Legacy players can attain at this point. So top eighting is a major deal, man. I wanted to give you a congratulations. Well, thank you very much. It. It's a wild ride. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. So uh, before we get into that, because we definitely want to talk about um, the wild ride of, of, of winning out in a, a Legacy Open, um, Jerry, did you get to play any Legacy this week? Nope. Didn't play any Legacy. Yeah, I'm boring. <laughs> <laughs> I, played in the, uh, I played in the Community Legacy League. I streamed that. So if you guys want to check that out, you can check that out. And then uh, Friday night, I also did a, a, a league run-through with uh, Colonel Eldrazi. And just like it was just it was ugly. I just hit a lot of matchups that weren't favorable for us. So Lawrence actually hopped on for the entire uh, the entire one. I skyped him in, and he we screen shared, and we uh, kind of ran through the league, and we ended up going two three, which wasn't wasn't great, but still had a lot of fun. But I also learned that Fridays are the worst day to stream any magic. It was my <laughs> lowest. It was my lowest count of viewers. So um, what I'm hoping you is went that... from one to zero. <laughs> No, I think Lawrence is still watching. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, we, uh, I th- I, what I'm hoping is that everyone is out playing Legacy at their local local shop. So supo- support your local LGS. Don't watch my stream on Friday nights. Uh, so, all right. So that's that's our week in, uh, our week in review. So <laughs> let's, get, let's get to the real, the meat of the, the meat of this, the episode here. Uh, so, John, tell us a little bit about your day, or your day and day, day one and day two with Charlotte's Bug. All right. Yep. So getting right down to it, we start off in the mirror, which I was just thrilled to get to play against. (laughs) uh, The mirror can be really grindy, but when you're packing Leovold and nonsense like Master of the Wild Hunt, you get to grind that game out as far as you can go. And that's exactly how it turned out. And going after that round one felt great. 
and zoomed right into a gaming etc. classic, Nick Fit. Good. <laughs> we can all guess how that one went. A Grave Titan, which was answered by Toxic Deluge, into a Marin of Clan Neltop picking back up the Grave Titan. Kind of just put me away. <laughs> yeah. The rest of it, yeah. Yeah, Nick Fit, I feel, is such a hilarious matchup for Shardless Bug because you have this glimmer of hope in the beginning where things look like they're going to be all right. And then Nick Fit starts making its fifth and sixth land drops and nothing's going to be all right. Everything's going to be terrible from there on in. <laughs> yeah, really the only hope in how I got one of the games is you go like turn one Thoughtseize or turn one guy, pass it over, and they go better and explore Cabal Therapy and you just hope you top deck Jace. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, yeah, I actually wanted to to talk about that. So, getting into the the deck a little bit, uh, there seems to be two major uh, differences between like the Bug Delver and the Shardless uh, Bug builds. In that, the Shardless uh, tend to favor the discard uh, much more heavily. Uh, yeah. So, I see you got the two the two two split two him to Torak two Thoughtseize. Uh, do you just you you just couldn't decide between the two of them? <laughs> uh, actually, that's pretty interesting. So, um, a good friend of mine of the podcast, um, DNS Solver, as he's known on Moto, Curtis Doran, as he's known locally, convinced me to play uh, the son of, the son of Grizzlebrand, as he's oh, known. Oh yes. <laughs> oh my God. He, <laughs> just to go on a quick tangent, he hopped in my stream. I tried to um, I played Black Red Reanimator. Um, yeah. Last week in the Legacy League, having never played the deck, having never watched anyone play the deck, barely knew it was in the 75, and he was in my chat just like, just berating me the entire time. It was <laughs> hilarious. He's like, I'm like, oh, so I, I, I animate Grizzlebrand, he's like, and I'm like, ah, do I draw seven here? He's like, of course you draw seven. Have you read the card? <laughs> it was fucking uh, did hilarious. He, did he create he's a, a troll? account because I saw shortly after that you got messaged by at Grizzlebrand. That is on definitely Twitter. him. There's no that way that's not him. Curtis. <laughs> Curtis owns the Twitter handle at Grizzlebrand. Yeah. <laughs> he's great. And so we play a lot of leagues. He he's in the Worcester area and so we'll hang out and go through some leagues. And um just seeing like how powerful these combo decks are that he plays and like how the format has evolved, he really suggested that I play Thoughtseize. I was playing a Three zero in the main, so three him zero thoughtsies in the main, mm-hmm. and then I was playing two to three thoughtsies in the board depending on the weekend. I was just finding it wasn't enough, and then also you wouldn't have a lot of turn one plays unless you just had visions or Death Shaman. You kind of just sat there and hoped your opponent didn't show up with the might and power of Grizzlebrand. <laughs> yeah, like can have force, but Charlotte's actually has like a really low blue count, and ideally you you actually just want to cast force for five. Once you grind the game down into nothing, like. Ideally, you're going to pitch one force to counter some key tempo play your opponent has against you. Then the rest of them, you just cast for five mana. <laughs> just five mana counter spells. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a one-for-one one late that keeps you from dying early. And so that's really why I'm running the two thought seats, is really to respect those aggressive, disruptive decks. Because mm-hmm. if you can take their disruption before they disrupt you, sometimes they can have a hard time going off. Like with the Black Red Reanimator deck, it's very, very tuned and very streamlined. But you'll notice that the key issue it has with the key access to attack against it is how it gets its creatures in the graveyard. A lot of people will let them get the thing in the graveyard and then try and force the reanimation effect. That probably mm-hmm. won't. Well. 
Yeah, no, I feel being starting off as a reanimator player, that's a very important lesson to learn against these graveyard based strategies is counter the thing that puts the creature in the graveyard rather than trying to fight it on the last like the zero yard line. Because once they're already in the graveyard, you're already in an uphill battle. Like don't let them gain any ground by putting things in the yard. Absolutely. And then a lot of people will think, Oh, but I have a death right shaman in play. Well if they're actively casting in tomb while you have a death right shaman in play, they have a plan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Unless they're just completely oblivious, like Pat. <laughs> yep. Hey, man, I have, I have no self-respect when it comes to playing that deck. It was just like, I was like, oh, man, this deck seems sweet. And the deck is super sweet, don't get me wrong. But I had no idea, like, how, how the deck should operate. <laughs> still fun. Still fun. Yeah, nice. But, uh... ...is that Delver's proactive, so they don't need to be playing as much discard. Right. <laughs> So a big thing with with Shardless Bug uh, that has really hampered its its matchup against Combo, I feel, is the fact that you are running Shardless Agents. You can't afford to be running any of these other staple counterspells besides Force of Will. Like, you can't run Daze, you can't run uh, Counterspell, you can't run Spell Pierce or Flusterstorm, because if you hit one with a Shardless Agent, you basically just cast a Hill hill Giant. (laughs) Yep. Uh, so yeah, so that's, that's kind of why, uh, the Charlotte's Bug match, uh, decks kind of favor the discard, which I I like that split you have between it. It worked out really well. Mm -hmm. Especially when you're casting Charlotte's Agent, often, unless you're against like a blue combo deck, the thought seems to actually be very similar to a Hymnotorok, and sometimes it'll be even better. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the fair matchups, you do want to hit him though. Right, right. So, kind of go, jumping over to your creature suite a bit, uh... I, only two Baleful Strix? Yeah, so that was the hard one. Um, so I was... Actually, the day of... So I was looking at a lot of different lists, and people were playing 21 in Thoughtseize builds. I had actually just made the switch to Thoughtseize build that weekend instead of a 3-0 mm-hmm. split on him versus zero Thoughtseize. And I was worried about there being a lot of Eldrazi and then wanting three Baleful Strix. But then I was also thinking about how I wanted to play these four mana cards out of the sideboard. So I felt that I really needed a 20-second land. Mm-hmm. And then with the 22nd land, I didn't want to cut Jace. And I'd been playing with three Wastelands for about the last four to five months. And I'm losing a lot of games to just opening hand of Wasteland, Wasteland, or opening hand of, like, UC Wasteland, get my UC Wastelanded. Oh, yeah, I see that. You're only running two Wasteland in this list. Yeah, so I went down to two Wasteland and just two Baleful Strix in the main. I put Leopold in over the Strix. So mm-hmm. I figured that this Tarmogoy is already very good against Eldrazi, especially... The second Tarmogoyf is much better than the first one, because usually you can get through their one dismember if they're playing it. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it was just a bit of a sacrifice to focus more towards. I thought there would be more Miracles, Lands, than Eldrazi. Mm-hmm. And I ended up getting lucky with how I hedged my bets there. Yep. I think in a more Eldrazi-heavy metagame, you definitely want to play three Baleful Strix and three Wasteland. But it, of course, depends on like, your local metagame. Gotcha. And I mean, that's kind of part of any uh any tournament uh in order to win you have to get a little bit lucky <laughs> all the oh, time yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly i mean you just can't you can't prepare for everything you can't fit enough cards to hedge against everything so you just have to sometimes say you know what if i get paired up in this matchup it's the end of my day and i'm okay with that <laughs> yep. that is. uh so we got two baleful strix four deathrite shaman that's pretty standard four charlotte's agent four tarmogoyf that's i feel like the core creature suite for shardless bug yep, couldn't like, agree more. yeah very rarely will you see people shave those numbers 
Uh, and then the good old one of Spicy, Leopold, Emissary Trust. We talked about him last week. Uh, but any any kind of fun interactions you ran into with him? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so specifically, I had a really fun match with Paul Muller, so shout out to him. Um, so it was round seven, and I get my Leopold online. And I'd only got to play test Leopold for a couple of days. It was mostly against like D&T and Miracles, because... Uh, we didn't really have any local legacy players in Worcester that day to battle with. So, you know, I play Leovold, I pass, and um, he does lands things and pass back. And I go upkeep and I look at him because he has a bunch of ports of play. And he responds, I have no response, I have no actions during your upkeep when you have a Leovold in play. <laughs> and then we both started laughing. And I was like, oh man, yeah, I would have drawn so many cards. And the game goes on. Um, with you know, a bunch of goifs in play, and he has the Maze of Myth. I just draw a whole ton of cards. He actually ends up winning this game, but the bottom line is that Leovold was very good. The match was excellent, and it was a lot of fun. So Leovold was excellent against lands. Leovold was great against miracles. Got forced on camera, which is pretty fun. <laughs> good. Yeah. Any 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 of the blue decks, just he's so flexible. He can get pitched to force, which is always an upside. Every card in Charlotte has the secret mode of being plus one loyalty on Lily or shuffling back to Brainstorm. And when he's in play in the matchups that you need him, you don't really want any other card. If Death and Taxes just makes all their plows for your Goyce worse, so you get to contest Batter Skull better and race them better. Mm-hmm. And even against things like Invant Blade, for example, or any kind of Stoneblade variant, again, you want to be racing their true names like your Goyce. And Leobold just makes it that much harder to profitably race you. Man, I need to get me some of these guys. <laughs> you said that last week, Jerry. I know. I still haven't gotten any. <laughs> uh, I, I would say I haven't seen any in stores, but I haven't actually been in any stores lately. <laughs> Tom was saying that he bought them all out of gaming, etc. And he wasn't exaggerating. I remember I called the day I was going to pick them up, like a few days before going down to Baltimore. And they were all out of Leovolt. So I had to drive all the way, like 40 minutes down Route 9 to pick one up, and it's like $25, and it's, oh, I don't regret it, though. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you probably would have paid, like, 40 on site. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I paid, like, 15 for a Life from the Loam on site. Jeez. That was a, that was a oh, man. I remember uh, when the GP True Name Nemesis came out. Like, True Name had been printed, like, a week before this. It it might not have been a GP. It might have been, like, an SCG. But it was a week before this major legacy tournament on the East Coast that I went to. And True Names were changing hands for $100 bills. Really? Oh, my God. It's like, when a card is hot on site and you need it, uh, people will pay absurd prices. Oh, that's nuts. That is crazy. Uh, but hopefully Leovold doesn't get to uh, that extreme. I only have one, so let's keep him where he is so I can afford <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Is this something you would see playing more of in this deck? I think I might play a second in the sideboard, depending on the metagame. Okay. But I'm not sure what I would cut for at this point in time. I don't yeah. think I want more than one in the main deck, though, because it can be a little clunky. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, one of each uh, color the deck can produce is not the easiest, especially even with, uh, you know, cutting down on the wastelands. Yeah. Uh, so to the Planeswalkers, two Liliana and a Lonely Jace. Yep, the classic split. Mm-hmm. Now, Tom was talking last week about how he was considering cutting Jace entirely. What's kind of your opinion on that from the Shardless perspective? Well, my... 
my view with Charlotte is just always grind as long as you possibly can. You want to reduce your opponent's outs, and nothing really does that better than Jace. And Jace actually also post-board, not as much pre-board, but kind of keeps you safe against Death and Texas. Death and Texas' main way of beating you is Mirror Crusader and or Cataclysm. And mm-hmm. Jace is actually outside of your Toxic Deluge, and a Lily if they happen to have an empty board, which is even harder nowadays because they have um, Recruiter of the Guard. Right. You can get them Hellbent and then use the Jace Lily Softlock to bounce something to their hand and then plus Lily and make them discredit. That's a nice little cute way to deal with Mirror Crusader. And it does sound really cute, but it actually comes up a lot. In playtesting, that's actually, actually how I often win games. I'd say about 30% of the post-board games that I win, I win with Jace Lily Lock. Hmm. Against, against just Death and Taxes or against pretty much every deck? Uh, that being Death and Taxes in particular. Okay, okay. Jace Ultimate often wins a game against Miracles. You'll win some percentage of games like that. More so for score games as well. Um, pre-board games, you have more voice and stuff, so you end up staggering your threats more and getting in that way. But I really like Jace. I'm not looking to replace him anytime soon. I could definitely see why people would want to, though, let you run, run a lower land count, mm-hmm. which in more combo-heavy meta games, that's quite good in. But right, yeah, I just love the slow, grindy mid-range deck, and personally, I just don't see myself <laughs> ever leaving the mind sculptor behind. <laughs> right, and that's probably what uh, ended up helping you beat Tom in uh, the top eight. Just <laughs> who could outgrind the other? <laughs> it did alt in that one. <laughs> J- you ult, J- you Jay's ulted. <laughs> yeah, that was in the last one. It was, it was a rough match, though. He, he drew fairly poorly, and I drew a lot of my sideboard cards. I had Knight of Souls Betrayal. I'd like from the long go in. It's mm. a hard time. Yeah. He, he told us about uh, the judge freaking out. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> so we got paired for top eight, and so there's about a half an hour in between, so we go and walk down to a local convenience store, and we're talking the whole time about how we had played before, wondering how the matchup would go this time around. It's the, I think game one, I think their favorite game one, especially if they're on the play. Mm-hmm. I think it's similar to other matchups that you see more in modern, where one deck is maybe 60-40 on the play versus the other deck that's like a 55 if they're on the play. Mm-hmm. So I think Band Deathblade, especially because they have days, and they have very important sticky threats against me. Yep. Isn't a really good spot when they're in the play. They can set up a noble into a stone forged into a true name nemesis and days my toxic deluge. And those games are really hard to come back from. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, so noticing that toxic deluge uh, seems to be kind of your catch-all answer. Oh yeah. Uh, but it's a one of in the deck. So how how often do you covet it? Do you fire that toxic deluge off as soon as you draw it? Do you hold it for as long as possible? What's kind of the game plan there? Usually the latter. You usually want to keep committing to the board until your opponent uses their resources to take out your resources so you can get as much value as you can out of your Toxic Deluge. Shardless is really just a glorified cube deck. Yeah. <laughs> it's Toxic Deluge to that extent. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, because of your inevitability, your opponent has to commit a lot. And then right. All the way. So you're willing to throw away creatures to a Toxic Deluge just to convince your opponent that, you know, the coast is clear, you can play all your stuff too, and then just blow them out of the water? Yeah, because your top decks are so much more powerful than the other fair decks' top decks. Mm-hmm. Whereas in a combo matchup, it's totally different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They'll fire off that Toxic Deluge the moment you've got it. Right. Like, I've deluged on two against elves just to get things slowed down. Right. 
just use it as a removal spell. Uh, so we already covered the two thought seas to him. Uh, four brainstorm, four force of will. Uh, pretty standard package. It's a blue deck. <laughs> uh, and four abrupt decay, removal of choice. Absolutely. Um, so the drawback I always felt when playing abrupt decay is you can feel very sluggish in games. Against yep. those decks with like a blistering start, abrupt decay can just be too little, too late. Definitely can. That's another weakness of Shardless Sultides that, or Shardless Bug. I'm just looking at the deck list. I just read it off a of Sultai. <laughs> Forgive me. Forgive me all the followers. <laughs> but it kind of follows the Jund philosophy, right? It's of that your cards are all high quality, and most of your middling draws will match up well against other people's draws on like the first standard deviation in other direction. But if you have a middling draw and your opponent has an excellent draw, you are probably just going to die. And mm-hmm. that's something you, you have to accept when going into this kind of deck. And Abrupt Decay really helps your middling draws match up against people's pretty good draws, as long as they aren't the very busted ones. So if you can, if you hit something with Abrupt Decay early, or even in cases, like I've had to Abrupt Decay matter reshapers, just something to slow the game down, that way you can get on the board. It's okay if it's sluggish, because you're casting Jace, Liliana, and Ancestral Recall. So you'll get your card advantage back eventually. You just gotta hope to not die on the way. Gotcha. And only three Ancestral Vision. Yeah, so that was the cut for Leobold, actually. While going through and figuring it all out. So I wanted the blue count to stay the same. And Ancestral Visions actually isn't always the best hit off of Shardless Agent. In the vast majority of your faster matchups, him to Torax actually the best hit. Right. Whenever you're playing against a combo deck, you want to hit him. You don't want to hit visions on the because you don't have a lot of counter magic. So if you're playing against something like show and tell, you just want to hit him every time. Right. Your chances of drawing, you know, force of will and sometimes also a blue card are pretty slim off a single ancestral vision. <laughs> yeah, and they can clog up your draws too. Right. Especially right. In, in cases like miracles, if like they stick a counterbalance, you have abrupt decay. You don't want to be hanging onto another ancestral visions. So they'll just flip a land. But it's definitely good to have on turn one, and I'd, four is awesome when it's good. Four is also really bad when it's bad. When you have that opening hand of visions, visions, three lands, Jace Goyf, you just want none of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, kind of pretty standard uh, land base. You got some, you know, Trops, Underground, Bayou, Fetch Lands. Won't yeah. really bore people with that too much, but you are running some one ofs, one of Forest, one of Swamp. Uh, just Blood Moon fast. Protection. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I tried an island for a while, actually, but um, playtesting a lot locally, I found that the island made your fair matchups worse, like your fair creature matchups, Maverick, Stoneblade variants. In those matchups, you often need to cast two Decays in one turn, or a Lily in a Decay, or a Lily Goyf, Goyf Decay. And having basic island made that hard. Right. And kind of what I always look at it is, you know, what are you really getting that island for you know if you're under a blood moon you want to be finding your swamps and your forest quickly so you can have abrupt decay active to take care of that blood moon exactly Where, and then you'll have your blue sources back anyway right because i mean even if you have brainstorm with your blue source you, that single brainstorm now needs to find a forest and a swamp and possibly an abrupt decay <laughs> in order for you to be able to you know take care of it mm-hmm. one interesting about the lands is that Although there are two bayous, I always say, like, Underground Sea is really the gatekeeper to allow you to get to bayou. Bayou, I would say, is actually the best land in this deck. 
because mm-hmm. it lets your deck right shaman have both abilities active. Whenever you're leaving up one land, if you get to leave up by your deck right shaman, you're just golden. You have yeah. full abilities on your deck right shaman live, and you can brainstorm off the, his activated ability to exile land. Right. I mean, I forget who it is, but there's a pro player who's theory about magic was the player who has the most choices uh is the player who wins the game and if you just set yourself up to have the choice to do something you know don't cast that instant during your main phase wait till the end of turn step Mm -hmm. uh you know just waiting as long as possible to give yourself the most options is the easiest way to level up as far as you know increasing your win percentage yeah absolutely I've heard that too, like even like in a board state where you're stalled out, especially in like a limited environment where you kind of have a, like a stalled board state and no one really can attack past the other the other board. It's not worth just like suiciding your guys in and like letting them make the blocks. Like you want to be able to make the choices to block. You want to make your opponent attack you first. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, and speaking of attacking, you got one land going aggro. You got a single creeping tar pit. Yeah. The second one just hurts the opening hands against. Shadowless is slow enough. We don't need to slow it down anymore. But when Creeping Tarpid's good, it's good. I feel it's one of the best things you can draw against Miracles. Agree. Because <laughs> uh, it's just like, oh, yep, nice Terminus. <laughs> yeah. Attack you with Creeping Tarpid. Though, Miracles is supposed to be a fairly easy matchup for Shardless, is it not? Well, that's what they say. And then some people say... <laughs> That's what they're supposed to be. (laughs) (laughs) Some very strong proponents of Miracles believe it's actually a positive matchup for Miracles. And many of those people are much better at Legacy than I am, so (laughs) I'm inclined to believe them to some degree. However, I I did pretty well against Miracles all weekend. Um, That's just a small sample size, though. I think Leovold, Ancestral Visions, all those things help push in that direction. And Knight of Souls Betrayal actually helps out a lot. A lot of people are playing the Mentor build. And you can bring in the Knight of Souls Betrayal post-board, and you get yeah. to stick either Knight of Souls Betrayal or Sylvan Library, usually. You're only going to get through one wear tear if they even have it. Yeah. And if they have yeah. Council of Judgment, then Jace is going to stick around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to read that for our listeners, because I feel it's not the most common card. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Knight of Souls Betrayal is a rare from Kamigawa. Uh, one of the sets when I first started playing. <laughs> it's two black black for a legendary enchantment. All creatures get minus one, minus one. So yeah. it's basically engineered plague on crack. <laughs> it's just a permanent engineered plague. And actually, that's what it, the slot it replaces. I used to play engineered plague. I found, well, infect guys have different types. And I, elves, they do have a lot of elves. That is for sure, but you actually really want to kill Wirewood, Symbiote, and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. Monk Tokens, the and surprisingly good against Stoneblade. Mm-hmm. If you have Souls of Trail on play, it kills other chain and Nemesis. Um, Stoneforge Mystic can't carry GTA in for damage anymore. It kills Noble Hierarch, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's it all around just really good. And actually, in some cases, costing one more than Engineered Plague is actually a benefit because it's now out of Abrupt Decay range. Yeah, I, I like to joke that a lot of cards in Legacy, if you just made them cost four, would be significantly better than they are. <laughs> you know, I actually, I can agree with that. <laughs> Ever since Up to K was printed, some cards would be better costed at four rather than three. <laughs> yep. uh, that's, that's funny. <laughs> Speaking of spicy four drops, oh yeah, the main man himself, 
Uh, I know he's a favorite of yours. Uh, yeah. Run us down, Master of the Wild Hunt. <laughs> Master of the Wild Hunt is my favorite magic card. Excellent <laughs> art by Kev Walker. I'm <laughs> currently attempting to acquire a large playmat of the art. Nice. <laughs> so Beginning of your upkeep, you get to put a 2-2 green wolf creature token onto the battlefield, and you can tap Master of the Wild Hunt in all untapped wolves you control, and then each wolf tapped this way deals damage equal to its power to target creature. That creature deals damage equal to its power, divided as its controller chooses among any number of those wolves. <laughs> it's a bit of a <laughs> so people have said that it's like almost like a planeswalker just with the options it gives you like you tick up every turn and get a wolf creature kind of like yep. garrick uh yep. and then when you want you can activate it to just kind of use the <laughs> i just picture just like you throwing wolves at someone <laughs> just, <laughs> just picking them up and just throwing wolves <laughs> he's got his right hand forward what you don't see is his left hand's like reaching down to grab one of the wolves at your enemy. Yeah, speaking of, the art is amazing. It's like this big old Viking guy with yeah. moose horns coming out of his Viking helmet, <laughs> and he has like a big long white beard, and he just has a pack of wolves like prowling around him. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's just just enough over the top. It really sends a message. You slam it down on the table. I always, like, windmill it, like, gently. Like, well, as I cast it, and I'll put it face down on my right palm. I just announce the master of the wild. Even a nice soft windmill into the middle of the table. <laughs> it looks like a Metallica album cover. <laughs> um, it really does. And there's a great play pattern that, that I'll share with you and all the listeners. So the play pattern goes as follows. You cast Master of the Wild. Your opponent picks it up and reads it. Then they put it down, and they look at you like... Like, you showed up to the wrong event. <laughs> and they, they, they take their turn. They play their guys. You you untap and you put a wolf in play. Or in my case, a dragonite. I couldn't find any wolf tokens, so I got these nice dragonites. <laughs> put that in play. They pick up the Master of Wild Hunt again. They read it one more time. They put it down, and they kind of look a bit concerned, usually. Then they go to their turn. They do whatever, and they pass. You activate the Master of the Wild Hunt, and you kill one of their guys. They pick it up one more time. They put it down and they put all their cards in a pile and put that pile on their deck box and sign it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember my first time staring down Master of the Wild Hunt. It was actually in Elves. Elves had it in their sideboard for uh, oh, Bug Hunter. I have it for. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, and I'm just like, I can't kill it. My only removal is Abrupt Decay. I already used my Toxic Deluge because you're elves, and you have this unkillable Master of the Wild Hunt that you're never going to swing in with, but can just pick off my creatures at will. <laughs> That's exactly what he's for. So, again, the secret mode of costing four mana is a huge upside with him. I, the main reason why I came up with this card, well, to play this card, was I wanted to share this bug, Mirror Breaker. Usually the mirror is very, very intensive. In game one's usually decided as whoever sticks the first ancestral visions, you get to force theirs, and then I cast Leopold and walk away. But mm -hmm. post four, it's usually very grindy. People take out their forces for the most part. And whoever resolves the first ancestral visions doesn't really matter as much anymore. It comes down to card quality and using your sweepers. And so if you can get what Master of the Wild Hunt does versus Garrick Relentless, is Master of the Wild Hunt checks off more of the sections of quadrant theory from Limited. And what quadrant theory essentially boils down to is how good the card is at bringing you back from behind. 
how it is a parody, how it is a head. There's some other aspects to it, but those are more related. So, mm -hmm. we can definitely agree that Garrick Relentless is excellent when you're a head and excellent when you're a parody. But I don't really think Garrick Relentless is that great when you're a head in a Shardless Mirror. And the reason why is because both of you have like five sixes or six sevens smashing into each other that you aren't particularly fond of blocking. Because if you block and the other person is disfigured, it's going to go real bad. And so, and you both have Baleful Strixes that are doing nothing then besides attacking your opponent for one every turn. Mm -hmm. And so, Eric Relentless has three health. Master of the Wild Hunt, you can't attack directly. Like, this isn't Herbstown, right? And so, yeah. he has to just <laughs> stick around. And the only removal he dies to is Edict of Liliana, which after one turn of his existence, he won't die to anymore. And you probably have a bunch of guys on board already, because it's the mirror. The Maelstrom Pulse, which hopefully you aren't casting Master of the Wild Hunt before the cast Master Maelstrom Pulse. Or unless they're Hellbent, and C, Toxic Damage. And so if you're behind, and you stick Master of the Wild Hunt, and you aren't, like, wildly behind, they'll help you stabilize. And then if they have to cast Toxic Damage, well, ideally you haven't committed anything else to the board, because you have a Master of the Wild Hunt grinding it out, then you're, like, three or four cards ahead, and then you can just win the game. If yeah. you're Parity, well, they can't attack into him, because he's not a Planeswalker. He's just making wolves that are killing off all their different Shamans, which gives you the mana advantage, unless you start cleaning out their graveyard, or if you're behind getting life. Or if you're ahead, he just crushes them, right? Like, if you're ahead and they haven't cast their Toxic Delusion, and you're like, and they have cast their Toxic Delusion, like, greetings, friend, here's a Master of the Wild Hunt. Then there's yes. nothing they can do about it. Delver um, <laughs> actually can't kill it, outside of maybe they're playing Dismember. Um, and Elves and Infect almost assuredly can kill it. And why I like him specifically against Infect is so, but Garrick Relentless comes down and he makes a wolf that you can block with, or he, like, attempts to shoot one of their Infect guys. The problem is if you attempt to shoot one of their impact guys, and even if they don't kill you the next turn, well, they're probably coming in for at least two with Exalted, which will kill Garrett Godless. Assuming that you used his minus ability, I mean, his zero, right? Deal two damage right. With and deal the one back to it. So even if they have, like, two guys in play, he's almost always going to die. Right. Master of the Wild Hunt, you get to make a wolf, pass, lock, and you just make them use their cards to get your Master of the Wild Hunt. And mm -hmm. since you get that on each upkeep, you even have the option of block, then they have to use something. Then after they use something, you go on the stack, fight it, and they just have to use two cards each turn to try and get through the Master of the Wild Hunt. And then once you grind them down, they can just never get back, right? They're going to cast a guy, and you just fight it on their end step. Yeah. <laughs> they don't even get a chance to attack with it. So that's what he's for. He's lo locking out elves, infect, and then grinding out Shardless Bug and Bug Delver. I did bring him in against lands, but um, that was suggested by a friend of the podcast again, Blake Sanford. Lands. <laughs> <laughs> Blake is like uh, the dark confidant for half our community. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> I was really nervous. Um, I no, David Long is an excellent player, and I didn't know I was going to be paired against him yet, but I knew I was going to be paired against either Agrolone or David Long. I go, what do I do? Like, what do I bring in? And he goes, well, just try Master the Wild Hunt, right? It seems hard to deal with. Uh, okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, he's pretty much outside of Punishing Fire range unless they have a shit ton of mana already. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, shoot him twice, right? Yeah. Gets, but in general, I rec oh, here's a very important point, though, for people looking to try Master of the Wild Hunt. Do not, under any circumstances, bring him in against Plow and Bolt decks. <laughs> <laughs> It's not yeah. that he dies to these things, because he'd say, oh, you're getting one for one in your shard list, so that's fine, right? But what's important to note is he's a four drop. Yeah. And in order to get to four, unlike in like standard or modern, where you're just like, oh, you know, I got my lands, I'll just play them. Playing in a format with Brainstorm, very specifically. And 
where the secret mode of discarding cards to make plus one loyalty on Lily is very important. And so, in order to have four lands in play, or three lands plus Deprechon, you would have made specific decisions to shuffle back non-land cards at Brainstorm. So mm-hmm. Master of the Wild Hunt is representing often two or maybe even three cards worth of value in one card. And if he just gets plowed, or worse, snap plowed, it's just all over. Because right. now, things that could have been a goif, you could have had a showless agent, you could have had an abrupt decay, now they're a bayou and an underground sea. Yeah, that's a great point. Really, really good insight into that. That, you know, even just getting those resources together represents a huge commitment. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> that was... That, that took me a while to figure out, though. And I was playing nonsense beforehand. I was trying to creep with Niche, and then one day he died to Disfigure, and I go, oh, not playing that anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whisperwood Elemental. That was bad. <laughs> oh, man. Uh... The thing I like about Master of the Wild Hunt is I guarantee you people listening right now have this card in their bulk bin. Like, it looks like it's a 50-cent rare uh, because it's just like, what does that do? But it's like a $15 card. Yeah, I was very surprised. I went to buy it at Game etc. because I, like, I looked, I gather or searched to try and find a mirror breaker. That's how deep we went on this. I looked up. <laughs> Dear wizards, how do I break the mirror? <laughs> so I show up at Game etc. and I go, um, Michelle, she she runs Game etc. Um, do you happen to have any copies of Master of the Wild Hunt? She goes, Oh yeah, I am. Oh, how much is it? And she told me like thirteen or fourteen dollars, and I was like, Oh, that's funny, you know, like. And she's like, No, really. Very popular in Commander, is what people are saying. Yeah, I, he's a huge casual star. So I'm actually looking at him on TCG Player right now, and guess yeah. what the most popular card bought in tandem with him is? Soul Ring? Oh. Wolf <laughs> Tokens. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's a casual player when they're buying a bunch of tokens to go with their, their special card. <laughs> uh, after that, it's Wolf Briar Elemental, Howl of the Night, Parallel Lives, which is a picture of two wolves on it, and Moon Mist, which is the werewolf uh, transform. So I'm guessing people who are buying Master of the Wild Hunt, they have wolf and werewolf-themed, like, kitchen table decks. Oh, of course. And Master of the Wild Hunt is, like, the gem in the center. Not to go too off-topic, but a joking pet deck of mine is Wolf Stompy. (laughs) Wolf Stompy. As Master of the Wild Hunt and Wolf Briar Elemental, but that is a tale for another day. No, I lo- uh, so one of my pet cards that I love is uh, Mayor of Averbrook. Oh, excellent. Uh, I love that guy. He, so he's an anthem for humans. He gives, like, humans plus one, plus one, and he's, a like, a two-two, I think. And then he's also a werewolf that when he flips, he gives uh, wolves plus one, plus one. And I think he also, like, makes wolf tokens. I just remember he kills your opponents in that Nia Blitz deck back in the old standard. Yeah, that's where I first fell in love with him was uh, Nia Oh, he does Blitz. indeed make wolf tokens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's like he's like a bitter blossom for werewolves. <laughs> Two mana that attacks. Yeah, it's oh, it's so it's one and a green for a one one. Human other human creatures you control get plus one plus one. Uh, then he has the werewolf. If no spells are cast, transform him. Yep. And then his other side is other werewolf and wolf creatures you control get plus one, plus one. At the beginning of your end step, put a 2-2 green wolf creature token onto the battlefield. At the beginning of each upkeep, if and if, you know, he goes back to uh, his other side. But if you think about it, he's a two-mana guy that pumps out 3-3 three, three wolves. Yeah. <laughs> Every turn. 
<laughs> like, that's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, all right, here's Bitter Blossom, but they're three three fairies. <laughs> uh, good old werewolves. Thanks, Innistrad. Best contribution ever. <laughs> uh, any other uh, kind of thing, uh, like spicy one-ofs? You got a lot of them in your sideboard. Any, any ones that, you know, you kind of felt yourself going to over and over again? Um, Life of the Loam against all the Stoneblade, Delver, and Lance decks was excellent, especially against Stoneblade. They go ahead and fetch out all their duels because you're shardless, right? You don't really have more than three Wastelands. And then you cast Life from the Loam and you target some Wastelands. Yep. <laughs> so it makes up for the only end of that one. <laughs> yeah, makes up for only having two wastelands. And it's you can also do some cute things with um brainstorm, like for the alarm too. Yeah. Or if you can put shardless, put some stuff on stuff, put some stuff on top, hit an ancestral, dredge something else off the top that you didn't want. Yeah. People don't realize that that you can uh, dredge individual draws with brainstorm. It's. Excellent. <laughs> yep. So it's like dredge three, then draw two, then put two back on top of your library. <laughs> and then cast loam for the lands that you flipped off the top. Right, exactly. So much value. Uh, so kind of what decks, you know, it's, it kind of sounds like you want to go for the fair decks. Uh, what decks are you kind of terrified to play against with Shardless Bug? The list goes on and on. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it's really a, to the degree that after the event, I showed it back in Worcester, hanging out with Curtis, and the first thing I say to him, how did this happen? <laughs> There's so <laughs> many difficult matchups. <laughs> and so your difficult matchups are really anything that isn't at the, what you'd say is the very top of the metagame. And so I'd say the very top of the metagame, you have things like Miracles, I like to say Shardless Bug, but some people might disagree. Um, Delver variants, lands, which is a difficult matchup, and various other things like Agrolong, Maverick. Um, Eldrazi. Right, Eldrazi, yeah. And so, for the most part, you have pretty good matchups in there, besides lands can be very difficult. Agrolong, also very difficult. Um, but outside of those decks, your matchups are like pretty ugly. I usually just, if you just took a chart, and so let's say we had all Charlotte's matchups. Like you had the numbers, like 60, 40, 40, 60, on and on and on. With the yep. deck next to them, and then you hid the deck names. And you had this for every deck in Legacy, and you showed the um, spreadsheets to someone and said, which deck do you not want to play? Basically everyone would select Shardless Bond. Yeah. <laughs> so many difficult matchups, but your matchups and how they correlate to the top of the metagame are great. Right. That's what I felt every time I played Shardless Bug, is I knew I was being way too optimistic, because the theory behind Shardless Bug is, you're going to win top eight, and Swiss will take care of itself. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think Shardless Bug is one of the best decks to pilot in the top eight of a Magic tournament, however, it's the hardest deck to get to the top eight. Yeah, like, you have problems like Nick Pit, Ant can be a nightmare, I played against Tess, and I won by, like, a Miracle Worker. <laughs> I played against a um, nun came by and prayed over your match and you somehow yeah. won <laughs> yeah just drew mails from Pulse for the Gibble Parade and walked away uh, <laughs> like Crocathalia which is like an Aldrazi Stompy deck that has mana denial that can be very difficult really any very focused streamlined fast deck that isn't soft to a replicate is a nightmare mm-hmm 
So you basically beat tier one decks and then lose to everything tier two and below. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, of course, Infect is at the very top two, and that's another hard matchup at the top of the game. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think this specific version, I feel like you're about even, actually, with Infect. You have a lot of things on the sideboard. I feel like you're slightly favored against Death and Taxes, and I'll actually say that I feel favored against Elves when I play this list. A good friend of mine plays lots and lots and lots of elves, and I learned to very much respect the deck. And my sideboard kind of reflects that. You, the, the second deluge, the pulse, the night of souls, the trio, Golgari, charm, two disfigures. I think I bring in something like ten cards in the matchup. Yeah. But, yeah, that's really the synopsis of the matchup spread. Right. <laughs> just don't get... Par- just play this in an event where you have buys. And otherwise, like, just just play a Delver deck. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you heard it here first, kids. Don't play Charlotte's Bug. <laughs> Let's bites, then play. I was actually going to play a Lurin at this event. Oh. But I couldn't find a Bullraft Stronghold and did not want to buy one for $40, so I played this one. Bullraft Stronghold for $40 now? Like 45 or something absurd, yeah. <laughs> uh, I used to have one of those. <laughs> so... So tell me, like, was there anything uh, really interesting or entertaining that happened uh, throughout the course of the two days at uh, in Baltimore? Oh, absolutely. Um, so round ten. I, sorry if I butchered the last name. I play against Jacob Saracino, and he, I I learned that there is a colorless ancestral recall. You guys have a guess as to what this card is? Oh boy, a colorless ancestral recall. We're not talking Ulamog. <laughs> uh, let me give you a hint. It was printed within the last six months. Uh, what? Okay. I, did Pat just say it? I think Col- Pat might have said it. Colorless? Technically colorless, yeah. Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> Technically <laughs> colorless is the best colorless. <laughs> <laughs> so my, I, I go underground C, Death Right Shaman, go ahead. No, 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 no. So I was on the draw. My opponent goes, fetch island. And at first I was like, oh god, here comes show and tell. I go, Bomat Courier, attack trigger. Yes! <laughs> yes! I called it! It's happening! It's finally happening! <laughs> and I was sitting there, like, my opponent has this grin of just like, we did it! Like, we are fighting! And this is the 8-1 bracket, and she heard rumors that there was someone playing a Bomat Courier, so I kind of Anyone that's, like, played against me in real life knows, like, I have my moments when I'm super serious, but if something really funny happens, I'll just break down laughing. I set set my head in my hand, just looking at him, and he's like, yeah. And he's like, he's got this, like, glow of pure joy that he has cast and attacked with the Bomac Courier in Legacy. (laughs) My uh, my my friend Dan, the the green black pox player, yeah. uh, when that card was spoiled, he pre ordered fifty copies and then twenty foils. <laughs> if only one. If only it had won, it would have spiked so hard. <laughs> but we had a really good game. Oh, he also had um uh, another ancestral recall. This one's red. This one was also printed within the last year. Might be is, within this, the last is, year. is it, is it a remember? Yes. So I, I grind them down with Toxic Deluge, get everything taken care of, and I go, okay, got some voice, everything's going good. Is that three? 
all on Bach. He goes, yes, Bedlam Reveler? <laughs> was God, he I playing like Blurred Delver? This, yeah, it was. It was an amazing Blurred Delver deck. It was right. pretty soft to the Souls Betrayal, though. That's what ended up closing it out. Okay. I gotta look this deck up. <laughs> yeah. Bedlam Reveler was, was amazing. Yeah, Blurred Delver. Yeah, yeah. So two Bormat Courier, two Bedlam Reveler, four Delver, a Grim Lava Mancer, a True Name, and two Young Pyros. Where, yep. what, what place did it come in? He came in uh, 32nd. Yeah. Oh, man. Four Wasteland. Really? And Blue Red Delver. Four Wasteland, four Volks, an island and a mountain. Very, like, typical, like, very, very typical uh, spell suite, except he's running three Stifle, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I I was happy I played around that. Once I saw the Bowman Courier, I go, this has to be all nonsense. I'm just cracking my <laughs> I have to plan around everything here. Oh, Jerry, you might have to get me in touch with your buddy. I might need to buy a couple of Bowman Courier. <laughs> Oh, low. <laughs> oh man, I might try this. I mean, a one-one haste, sure. Yeah, that's that haste. Fun it's max too. Like you play that turn one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I, I was, even though I was like getting destroyed, the game where he ancestraled it, I, I was still loving it. It was really fun. <laughs> that is pretty funny. <laughs> oh man. I need to send this to my friend Dan. <laughs> so, Sar- so you played Saraceno in round ten, you said? Um, yeah, round ten. Okay. And uh, how about after that? Like, what was the what was the top eight like? Ooh, the top eight was brutal. So the winning in was against Elves before the top eight, and I was just so happy. I had all the sideboard stuff ready to go. But then top eight, we get paired against local excellent player Thomas Smiley. <laughs> Possibly now known as Thomas Brownie from. Oh, <laughs> but it was pretty funny. Um, I, I did not have counterbalance, so I was not able to counter his true name nemesis. But again, as as I said earlier, he got kind of unlucky. His draws didn't really come together, but we had a really nice we had a really nice match, and he wished me luck. He was like, you know, take it down. He already had one trophy, right? So I gotta try. <laughs> home for the team but score two for gaming etc yeah oh, nice. seriously stone cold killers coming out of that store yeah round 17 so semi-finals that's against as i said earlier david long and i sit down for the match and you get to see your opponent's deck list and all that stuff i'm looking at the deck list and i look at the deck list i look up at david i look at the judge just because i'm bewildered at this point i look at the deck list again and i go zero punishing fires and he goes yeah zero and so he was willing to talk to me after the match work because, like, you know, he is, like, the lands guy. So I'm sure he had a very good reason for it. And people were saying their reasoning is it helps against DMT. So Sanctum Prelate has been is quite excellent against lands. And you get his name, too. And it's really hard for the deck to win sometimes. And Molten Vortex lets them answer Sanctum Prelate, and they keep going with all their other things. And so he had a great lands matchup. I mean, great DMT matchup with his lands build. But the difficult thing is without Punishing Fire... I have to worry about less things in the matchup. So usually lands, games go as beginning wastelanded slash ghost quartered out of the hall of my mana before I can resolve a bunch of goys. B, I get punishing fired into oblivion and eventually just take two until I die. Or C, Merit Lage greets me and sends me to the Shadow Realm. <laughs> <laughs> and well, when he's built a Vortex, I can abruptly hit the Vortex and then my Death Road Challenge gets to roam free, we get to exile lands, exile loams, and go to town. And that's how it ended up working out. Just Koif got to get in play, got to get big, I got to make Loam difficult, and 
is get Liliana online, start ulting Liliana, get card advantage, and go from there. And Master of the Wild Hunt post board, took care of Molten Vortex, Surgical Life in the Loam, and I took care of the rest. But I'm really excited to see how the Molten Vortex builds keep doing, because it seemed, I believe both of them had Molten Vortex, both David Long and, um, was it, he beat me in round 12, Daryl Ayers. They were both doing incredibly well all weekend, and they both had Molten Vortex, I believe. And if anyone knows what's going on with lands, it's those guys. So props to them, props to the innovation. I thought it was really cool. And then finals was against Mr. Joe Lissette. And talk about the final boss, right? Sitting down against Sonya's C-Stream all the time. Mm-hmm. And it was a terrifying match, to be sure. Um, he got really unlucky, though, in Mulligan the 5 in Game 1. Then um, just a Lily Ultimate, some Creeping Harpit, some guys went all the way. And Game 2, right? My most nervous Jace ultimate of my life. <laughs> I'm scared. At one point on camera, I, I'm looking at the card and I just go, no! He's <laughs> like, like shaking my head, but it's straight to the bottom. I think it was Spencer. I was just like, get that out! <laughs> Spencer is nothing but trouble. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. It was the, I was scared that he was going to find a treat. The Angels are rep. I was holding up Force forever, Force or Five. I ended up forcing Top. Because then it turns off my Jace. But um, I remember it was like bottom, it was bottom top, bottom Vencer. After the shuffle, I think I bottom Vencer again. And then the EE. I, I just, at that point, I was besides myself. I'm yeah. going, there's no trot, right? <laughs> I like touch each land and like island, right? Island and then double, triple checking. Cedric and... um. Craig Kremples end up joking a bit about it on the cast. I got to listen to it on the eight-hour <laughs> ride home. I, I felt kind of silly, but I was really nervous. And after that, we did it. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, that's a very high-pressure situation, especially playing against someone who, someone like Lissette, who is probably about as comfortable playing in SCG top eights as anyone anyone else, you know. Yeah. Um, so being able to do your best to keep your composure, I can imagine it was. It was very nerve-wracking. We seem to do a great job, man. I mean, I uh, I was at a birthday party for um, my wife's, like, her, her best friend's two-year-old. And, like, instead yeah. of, like, participating in the party, I was basically propped up on the couch, uh, <laughs> bumming off their Wi-Fi, streaming the, uh, the top eight and cheering you on. So it was pretty great, man. I, I really enjoyed I'm watching you play. <laughs> um, so now, so after you, win the, after you win the top eight, tell me a little bit about... Like, the behind-the-scenes, what goes on after you win the top eight? Like, do you get swept away by SCG to talk about the tournament? Because I'm sure they're kind of wrapping up and getting out of the venue by that point. What's that like right after you win? Yeah, that's exactly what happens. So, at first, I'm just kind of, like, mind-blown. Like, I was joking to my buddies, like, is this the part where I wake up in the hotel room? (laughs) (laughs) I hope not, because that was really hard. (laughs) That would be the worst. That's, like, the worst dream ever. All that stress. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I was where I'd just wake up and it'd be like 4 a.m. and I just like bomb day two. <laughs> so I'm joking with the guys and Nick Miller comes over and he goes, guys, guys, you can hang out later. We gotta finish up the show. It's like Twitch is still live. I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> so we go over. Um, the like SCG staff is really helpful. And this point, I was still like super nervous. It felt like you know fight or flight, as they say. Of course, yeah. And so I'm still like you know almost trembling from nerves. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, you know, I don't want to, like, break the mic or anything. And so they <laughs> set me up with the mic. Um, and it was really cool in the interview. Um, 
And he really gave me like a talk before. He goes, hey, you know, it's going to be easy. I'm just going to ask you a couple questions, write something about the tournament, this, that, you know. And yep. then I got to talk about some of my buddies. I got to talk about I had an awesome match with Kenny Jones. I got to talk about that. And it was really cool. And after, they have a certain way that they like to take the picture at the end. Because at mm-hmm. first it's like, oh, can I take a picture of Master of the Wild Hunt? Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, we'll do that after, but because they just want you with the trophy. Right. Like, it's kind of like a branding thing. Mm-hmm. But after they let us use it as like a photo booth for a few minutes. So I, oh, that's got cool. A good photo. And, I, and you know, the good thing is that you didn't do like the Ricky Bobby, what do I do with my hands? I don't know what to do with my hands bit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. That's awesome, man. So then after that, you guys just like, so you you top eight, I mean, well, you, you take down uh, a Legacy Open, right? You get a quick yep. interview with Nick Miller. You get some some pictures with Star City, and then you guys just what like head out and like hit some fast food on the way home, and then just drive home <laughs> for eight hours. Oh, so here's the tragedy. So we had agreed that if I won, we would go to Jamba Juice. Okay. Yeah. I, I'll just never forgive myself. I, I I love a good Jamba Juice. I was out on the West Coast for a while, and I had it probably too many times a week. Isn't isn't that just a smoothie shop? Oh yeah, but it, it becomes part of your life. <laughs> so it's, like, it's like 11 o'clock at night and you guys are going for smoothies yeah, like 7.30 I think I forget oh wow you guys powered through that yeah and so yeah we totally forgot about it we end up getting oh we end up going to the BK Lounge the BK the, Lounge yeah for those of you that don't know is that the Mick Cafe <laughs> yeah, it's strictly better than the Mick Cafe so it's off the side of Maryland <laughs> there's a there's a fireplace and a guy playing smooth jazz on a baby grand piano. <laughs> it's a um an illustrious highway side rest stop. Ooh. A Burger King. Hashtag not an ad. Hashtag could be an ad. <laughs> <laughs> and just the view of the four lane highway, which we then get on and drive on into the night. We end up getting back at like or 5 a.m. Definitely a bit late. But the guys had to get back to work in Boston the next morning at 9. Oh, God. Yeah. Luckily, I'm still a student, so I got to be a degenerate and sleep in. <laughs> God, live that life forever. Never leave. <laughs> Listen, Jerry sleeps in every day and just takes takes an Uber to work, so don't even talk, Jerry. <laughs> no. I had a miserable day. I had a walk in the freezing rain because the train I take home was on fire today. What? (laughs) (laughs) Is that the red line? Was that the red line? Burst into flames. Uber was surcharging 450%. So I'm like, fuck this. I'm going to walk in the rain. How far of a walk is it? Uh, I, I was like, it was like an hour walk. Holy shit. <laughs> you can say that the red line was red hot today. Oh, there you go. And that's all we got for you today, guys. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Plays out something sweet, Jerry. <laughs> Good night, folks. Uh, wait, but I want to know, John, what the people want to know is prize money. How many Black Border Dual Lands are you buying with all that sweet, sweet prize money? <laughs> Not that many, actually. The oh. answer is all. All of them. <laughs> We're really just putting it all towards getting to other legacy events. The wild one. You should buy the original artwork for that card. I looked for it. I couldn't find it. Really? 
Yeah. Well, maybe it, it might be a if it's a digital like it could be a digital rendition. There, like, Water, if you're listening, call me. A lot, yeah. <laughs> a lot of new like a lot of the newer cards are made digitally, so there's no original art to buy per se because it's just a digital rendition. Yeah, it's just prints. The death of art. <laughs> next time I uh, next time I run into Kev Walker though, I'll make sure to ask for you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So, give us some takeaways from the event. Like, what do you, what, uh, what kind of tips can you give someone uh, as far as like, what it took to take down a Legacy Open? What kind of tips do you have for someone? Just like a little grab bag of stuff you uh, you experienced while you were there. Okay. Yeah, I went through a few things. So, number one is actually in your playtesting, try and focus on difficult matchups, not like unwinnable matchups because then you'll just be miserable. Don't worry about, like, the 2080 matchups. Practice those a few times. See the lines you can have to possibly. What's really important is those, like, 30 to up to 45 matchups. That's saying your percentage in that matchup is about 30 to 45. Those, I feel, are the most important to practice. Because those are the games that will determine whether or not you're going to make that top eight, whether or not you're going to make that day two. Because you're not just going to hit great matchups all day. You're going to have at least a couple of difficult ones. And usually a lot of those 30 to 40% matchups are kind of underdeveloped from the 30 to 40% side. Because a lot of people will go in and say, well, this matchup's really bad. Like, I'm, I'm not going to worry about it. Or, oh, if I get paired against this, I just die. But often you can tune your sideboard and the way you play to beat those matchups. And mm-hmm. that's why I did a lot of going in. I thought I had a difficult TNT matchup. I thought I had a really hard Elves matchup, Burn matchup, Infect matchup. I just practiced those a lot, and I got really confident at it. And then... Okay. Tournament endurance is really big, too. Mm-hmm. And what, so, what, what tips do you have for that? I almost always drink at, let's say, 0.75 to 1 bottles of water per round. Mm-hmm. You just got to hammer sharp. How many bottles of vodka do you do per round? Depends on the matchup. Like, I play okay. like two. So, hydration. Key yeah, important. Snacks. Triscuits are my secret weapon. I had those <laughs> in the area straight out of CVS. They were delicious. <laughs> They're like slightly salty. It absorbs all of my salt. And then I just, I'm not salty anymore. <laughs> uh, key points. Key points. I like it. <laughs> yeah, so really just practice the bad matchups. Hydration. Okay. And don't get discouraged. Like I, people that know me know I I get discouraged fairly easily sometimes. But I'll go around to my buddies and I ever since about a year ago I tried to transition to now everyone hates bad beats, man. So instead of going over and people going, How's it going? and be like, Murr, I lost because of this nonsense and that nonsense I go over and say, Hey, I, I lost this round but I'm trying to figure out why. What do you guys think? And how do you guys think I could get better playing against this in other rounds? And I heard some really good advice back at the Columbus GPUs. You are playing the most miserable, inevitable pile of grind fest that has ever graced Legacy. So play the <laughs> game, you're going to be okay. So then I just sit down on my matches and I go, all right, that's what we're doing today. <laughs> just going with the right mindset every round and you'll probably be okay. A bunch of times you'll die to Grizzlebrand and Merit Lage. The other times you'll come out on top. Oh, man. Merit Lage has my number when it comes to, like, I play Eldrazi a lot, and that, that deck just wrecks Eldrazi. It's so ugly. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Awesome. All right. Yeah, that's great. Um, so, uh, Jerry, was there anything else you wanted to add before we get into scoops into top eight? Nope. I'm good. All right. Great. Thanks. Thanks for all your uh, wonderful work in the cast, Jerry. Uh, yeah, all right. So welcome. let's get... do it again. <laughs> so, <laughs> so let's get into some scoops into top eight. Uh, Jerry, why don't you go first, buddy? Since you're so well prepared. Um. Uh, go on. <laughs> well, I'm gonna scoop in John because. Thanks for putting up with us, man. <laughs> Thank you. My pleasure. No, no, you don't need scoops because you took it all down. No yeah. one scoops to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to dream crush the MBTA because they're probably... <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Also, I'm going to scoop in Keith wrong uh, because I forgot to scoop him in last week. He's the one who hooked me up with the sweet, sweet foils. Nice. What about you, Pat? Uh, I'm going to scoop in um, one of our listeners. Uh, I'm not going to give his last name because I'm not sure if he wants me to share it, but uh, Kyle is a member of the uh, Leaving a Legacy Facebook page and sent me a really nice message just kind of um, thanking us for doing the podcast, um, kind of uh, being that bridge to get from you know standard slash modern into Legacy and us kind of touting how really accessible the format can be. If you take the right avenues into the format, um, he was really gracious and just said a lot of nice things about us and uh, made me feel very humbled. And I just wanted to give him a scoop in the top eight and say um, all the uh, all the thanks and praise you have for us. We we give it right back to the people who listen to the cast, because even though Jerry and I really enjoy each other's company and have a lot of fun doing the podcast and bringing on awesome guests like John, um, it getting the appreciation back from other people, it feels really good. And we give it all right back to you guys. So thank you. Thank you very much, man, for uh, for 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 uh, sending me the message and uh, lifting my spirits a little bit. And uh, that's that's all I got, man. I think that's all I got. Uh, John, is there anyone you want to scoop in the top eight, bud? Uh, of course. Uh, first, I want to scoop in Curtis Dorian, as I was saying earlier. Um, he doesn't have a lot of huge events under his belt, but this has far too many five O's in the Legacy Competitive League. So I'm sure we'll see him up there someday. We're heading out to Louisville. I'm sure, he'll just grizzle brand some people. And he really taught me. A lot about how to play against the unfair decks in the format. Big scoop in to top eight for the whole of gaming, etc. Without Friday Night Legacies there, I would not be where I was now. Uh, enough playing against Mog Stompy and Maverick and Miracles will put you where you need to be in the format. And then one more big scoop in to you guys. I was really thrilled to be on the show. I've always wanted to be on a podcast. Really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry you had to be this one. <laughs> Gotta start somewhere, right? <laughs> I always wanted to be on TV. You're on the local news, sir. <laughs> uh, I kid, I kid. Awesome, awesome. All right, well, uh, all right. Let's, uh, Jerry. If someone wants to get a hold of you and uh, find out where they can buy some of your sweet Leovold foils that you're you're secretly stowing away, they're in I your don't closet. I don't have any. I got all the Bomac couriers you want. I got all the Bomac couriers you want. Where can they get a hold of you, man? Uh, hit me up on the Facebook group. I'm on there daily. Uh, also, Twitter is a great place to reach me. Uh, actually got some people asking me about the punishing thing in the ice list, so nice. get in a cool discussion on Twitter. Oh, Shoot, I totally forgot. I have one other scoop in. Uh, scoop in to Slick Jagger from uh, Money Draft. He oh, was shit, up here. Yeah. He was up here last night, so I grabbed a couple beers with him in uh, downtown. Uh, he is, he was actually staying at the hotel next door to my office, so oh, nice. it, it was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, 
But yeah, you can find me on Twitter at jme3rd. Um, uh, John, does anyone do you have like a Twitter account? I know you're on the Facebook page a little bit. Yeah, so I'm on Facebook as John Orr, and then I do have a Twitter. I am a those of those who know me personally know that I love Living End and Modern, and I acquired at Jungle Weaver on Twitter. The picture is, of course, Jungle Weaver, the large friendly neighborhood spider from Shards <laughs> of Alarma, my favorite block. Like you saying. Good. Good, easy to remember. <laughs> awesome. Uh, you guys can find me at Pat Uglo on Twitter. Find me at Twitch, twitch.tv slash Pat um, I am streaming uh, every Wednesday night at 8.30 Eastern. I do the Community Legacy League there. Um, and then sprinkled throughout the week, whenever I can fit a league in, I try to stream a little bit. It will be a little bit more um, uh, sparse in the coming weeks, just with uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's. My work life gets a little crazy, uh, but we will definitely be streaming every Wednesday for sure. Um, you can find the Facebook group, uh, facebook.com slash group slash leaving a legacy MTG. You can find Adrian, uh, at math matrixer or in someone's bathroom repairing it. I think so. Um, you can also, <laughs> uh, and, uh, I think that's it, man. Uh, Jerry, you got a dice to roll? I got to die. All right, let's do it. Uh, John, anyone that you're hoping we land on? <laughs> Just- I'm trying to jinx us because we asked Tom this last week, and he. I actually didn't know about the list, so like when Tom was on, I was like, I should look at the list because I'm gonna be on next week. And then I click on the list. I'm just ready for anything. You ready for anything? Good, good. (laughs) Didn't want to jinx us. (laughs) Oh, we got the big old twenty. Twenty. Oh, I gotta count down. Right, one, two, six, twenty. God damn it, Kate! (laughs) You don't get more than one. <laughs> we're gonna hold on. In the spirit of the most recent election, we're gonna do a recount real quick. One, two, three, four, five. Hold on, six, seven. I'm gonna make sure these are all eight. These are all legitimate. Nine, ten, eleven, twelve, uh, thirteen. She has multiple suggestions on here too. Kate's cheating. She is. <laughs> Sixteen, nineteen. Damn it! All right, well. <laughs> and, 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 uh, you know, just like our most recent election, clearly the best candidate has not won. Uh, the best available candidate has not won. Not even the, uh, not even the little third party candidates like Vince Staples North North. Uh, so tonight we'll be listening to Work Bitch, apparently, by Britney Spears. And this is probably the last week we'll be running the, uh, the roll a die for a song because I hate this game and these songs have been terrible. You guys are all awful. Fuck it, I'm out. Good night. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> That's a perfect ending. You wanna hot, buddy? You wanna boot, buddy? You wanna wasn't buddy? You better work, bitch. You wanna Lamborghini? Sit in martinis. Look hot in a bikini. You better work, bitch. You wanna live fancy. Live in a big mansion. Party in France. You better work, bitch. You better work, bitch. You better work, bitch. You better work, bitch. Nuggets of work, bitch.